Let me know when you're ready if you could shut that door for me. And um, let's go ahead and just enter in tonight. If y'all could please, as little moving around as possible, but really agree with me in prayer because I want to make sure that this is really prayed over. This is a subject that the devil does not want discussed, which is what I felt the whole Doctrines of Demons series has been about sermons that the devil does not want preached. He does not want to be exposed. The enemy hates to be exposed. And so tonight we'll help with that. Anyway, let's pray and just give it to the Lord. So, Father, as we unify together, the Bible says if two agree on earth is touching anything, you do it. And we just come to you in the name of Jesus and through his blood. And we ask you tonight that you will come upon me, anoint me, speak through me your words of life. Let this go out. Let everything be said that needs to be said under an anointing. We ask that wherever people are that are going to be hearing this, that your precious Holy Spirit would just captivate us where we are and help us to just lock into what you're saying. We're not going to be distracted. There's not going to be hindrances. But Lord, your Holy Spirit, to touch our hearts and our minds, anoint our eyes and ears, that we have eyes and ears of the Spirit. We're able to perceive. We have good fertile soil of hearts and minds, able to understand and receive this word and let it go out as living seeds of truth, as Jesus taught us in the parable of the seed and the sower. Let it go out and land in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives that's made ready by the Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit water those seeds. Let them take root in people and their families and their ministries and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Lord, we ask you let the winds of your Spirit carry this everywhere it's supposed to go and your mighty angels watch over it. We ask you that the word of the Lord will go out and be like a washing of the water of the word. Let it go out like a hammer that's going to break down through every stronghold. It's going to just go right through that plow through it. Let it be a sword, Lord, that cuts away what needs to go and is able to penetrate where it needs to get. And Lord, I pray your word will be light, shining in every dark place, dispel all the darkness, all the deception of the enemy, and bring truth and revelation. And we ask the Bible says that you're careful to watch over your word to perform it. But also the Bible promises us that it won't return void. So we stand on that promise. As Jesus taught us, the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So we agree together. Anything of the enemy that would try to steal the seed, we bind it right now. In the name of Jesus, you will back off and go from this sermon. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we stand on the promise. This will go out and accomplish that which you sent it for to accomplish. It will never return void. It will be fruitful. So we thank you for everything being accomplished in and through this time in the word. That's your will to be done. Help us to lock into you and receive tonight in Jesus' name. All right, so I'm going to deal with true discernment tonight. But this is going to be even deeper than just that subject alone. See, what you have to understand is that the word of God when it's preached, and even when you study the word, the Word of God is alive, and the Word is not just something that is based on a human intellectual logical level. That's where, unfortunately, a lot of people stay. But the Word of God, has to, it has to come by also revelation, and it has to be something that is spiritually understood, spiritually discerned, and received spiritually. See, I told you it's going to be a little deeper tonight. But it's not something that is just human logic. 
You'll never really get everything out of the word if you're just dealing with human understanding alone. It's got to go deeper than that. It's a spiritual thing. And this has got to get into your spirit. The word of God comes alive in our spirit. So, when we receive in our spirit, but there's also an aspect of, yes, we renew the mind. So we change our thinking. That's also in the realm of repentance, but we renew the way we think. But the word of God really begins in our spirit. All right, so let me read this and then we'll dive into it. 1 Corinthians 2, 6. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. Now I'm going to break this down. First off, he's talking about here people that are no longer infants spiritually. Remember that infants in the Bible are described as those that just need milk. They can't handle the meat of the word. So he's saying we speak wisdom among the mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. So it's not a worldly wisdom. You know, you get around universities, etc. There's so much knowledge, but there's also such a lack of true wisdom too. But see, the, the understanding the word is not just by human wisdom and human understanding it's going to have to be something that's much deeper <clears throat> but he said we speak god's wisdom in a mystery a hidden wisdom which god predestined before the ages to our glory so a mystery a mystery is a revelation So in the Hebrew culture, and I, I really like this, but there's four levels of studying the word, and it's pardes is the acronym. The peshat, the drosh, and then the resh, and then the, um, the sod. But when you get deeper, each level is deeper. When you get to the sod level, it is revelation knowledge. And that's what the Apostle Paul understood. He received things by revelation. He said, none of the rulers of this age had understood. If they had understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, keep in mind that you're not just dealing with the Romans here. You're dealing with the Jewish leaders who were of the Sanhedrin that knew the word. They, I know you may find this hard to believe, but they memorized most of the, uh, the Torah. They memorized most of it. These people knew the word but yet they still crucify Christ. You can know the word in a human intellectual way and not by revelation and still be an enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say this, just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear not heard. Now a lot of times people quote this and that's fine to do it. I'm not criticizing. People will just simply quote this part. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has planned for us, you know. Nothing wrong with that. But if you read it in context, it's saying here that your physical natural eye and your natural human ear has not seen or heard. You see what I'm saying? You have to, it has to be understood by revelation. It has to be understood by the Spirit of God. 
It has not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God has revealed, what did he do? Revelation. He has revealed them, how? By his spirit. So revelation knowledge comes by the spirit of God. This is something that has to be done in prayer and developing your inner man. So there's, in the book of Hebrews, I don't have all these references. So if you're taking notes, you may just jot down Hebrews. Um, I don't remember the exact reference, but there is a reference and I believe it's chapter 6, but it says that solid meat is for the mature who have by constant use trained their inner senses to discern good from evil. Your inner senses, that's your spiritual senses. It's by constant use. As you spend time in prayer, as God speaks to you, as you develop that inner man, that spirit man in you is developed by constant use, then you're able to distinguish between good and evil. You're able to discern. But it's something that comes from a developed inner man. It's not physical with your physical eye. If you try to do that, you're going to miss it. Jesus, the Bible says about him that he had the spirit of wisdom, revelation, counsel, might knowledge, the fear of the Lord upon him, and he did not judge by his natural eye. He judged with righteous judgment because why because it was by revelation knowledge so if you're going to try to judge things just by the surface level the same way the world does by just looking at it with your physical eyes and listening with your physical ears there's a good chance you'll miss God a lot of times and if you're going to try to understand things with just your human logic the same way that the world does don't be surprised if you also miss God the only way to really receive revelation is going to be by developed inner spirit man. And it says here, God has revealed them through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit which is in him? So in other words, your inner spirit man knows the deepest places of you. You see what I'm saying? In the same way, the Holy Spirit of God knows the deepest places of God. His thoughts, his feelings about a situation. Is that making sense tonight? The Holy Spirit knows how the Father feels about that situation. He knows how Jesus is judging that place or that person or whatever, what's going on there. He knows, and we have to be very careful that we don't do that in our own flesh because there is such a thing as being critical and an unrighteous judgment. And that type of judgment is wicked. That type of judgment, when you're critical and you're looking down on people, it's a prideful thing, and you're judging them like that, the Bible says with the same measure you judge, it will come back to you. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So where does the Holy Spirit live in true believers? In our spirit. So we should be able to get revelation knowledge from the Spirit of God. Where? In our spirit. 
not the spirit of this world, but we have received the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining, look at this, spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And look at what the Bible says about this. The natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or the word there is discerned. They're spiritually understood. They're spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we will instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. So as, as we're looking at this tonight, I want you to understand that there is a spiritual discernment that we have got to get into, but it's much deeper. And I, and I say this in love, I, tonight as I was thinking about this sermon that God gave me and I was preparing it and praying about it, you know, my heart really goes out because I know that a lot of people struggle in these areas. They Usually, the hey, let me say it this way, usually the people, if y'all look this way and hear me, that are the most humble and childlike and in the world standards, unlearned. Those are usually the ones that have the easiest time getting revelation from God and receiving from God. The people that have a tendency to be kind of prideful, they're very learned people. A lot of times they have the hardest time receiving. And it's because of these very issues. They're trying to figure it out instead of just receiving. You know, the Bible says that Paul was talking about, he said, we all have been given the same spirit to drink of. But people will, a lot of times, some people really struggle because they're so, it's so simple that they can't understand it. It's too simple for them. Surely there's more to this. And so when you're praying in the altars, a lot of times the people that are the most childlike, the most humble, the most unlearned, the most sincere, and they just say, fill me, I receive it. And it's like they're drinking of the Spirit. God just pours into them, and it's easy to receive, and they really receive. Other people are in the realm of their human mind. They're trying too hard to receive. They're trying so hard to figure it out. What do I do? What do I not do? What about this? And they're, they're in that realm of the mind and the human emotions, and they never get beyond that to the simplicity of spirit to spirit. God is pouring into your spirit. Just receive. That's too easy. There's no way that could be God. It's got to be more complicated than that. And therefore, many times, they don't receive like other people. And so my heart really goes out to that and um, to those people. And I'm trying to share this tonight to help people understand that. The more that we humble ourselves like a child and the more dependent we are on him. I love to learn and grow in the word. 
but I want it to be spirit-led and I want God to be teaching me and when I study I study with the Holy Spirit there's a big difference with that and the way most people research and study most people it is just an intellectual pursuit they mean well they have good intentions but it's not life it's not spirit it's not revelation it is just head knowledge and when people get up and preach head knowledge it is spiritually dead and it bores everybody but when people get up and preach under anointing what the what the Spirit of God is saying it can be really deep that he's speaking in a real deep way it's the meat of the word but there's something about it that's different it has life even though it's deep the Spirit of God makes people understand it So to really understand things, we have to get beyond. See, the world judges things just by what they see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. That's it. And their human logic. How many people in the body of Christ do you think do the exact same thing? There's so many problems with that, it's hard to narrow down just one or two. But I'll tell you one. Is that whenever we're trying to judge something out of our own humanity all of the different prejudices all of the different religious background the traditions of men the way we were raised all these other things influence our thoughts about that but when you get beyond all of that and the Lord just simply shows you what he thinks it bypasses all of that and it's just what God thinks about it. I think that's why many times, as I talked about last week, people miss revival because of the things like the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, which I believe the Holy Spirit does deliberately to be a stumbling block to the proud. That you have to be humble to be able to receive. The Holy Spirit says, I'm going to put this stumbling block right in everybody's face. I'm going to deliberately have this woman shaking like crazy right here in front of everybody. And those that are arrogant and religious and looking down their nose at her, you're going to totally miss the revival. You're going to leave out of here not getting anything God had for you. But people that are so humble and childlike, and they say, well, God's touching her. Leave her alone. And they're there just going after the Lord. They're just humble and they're hungry. They're going to receive all that God has for them. But God's put that, puts that stumbling block there. Why? To oppose the proud, but give grace to the humble. So the great enemy of revival and the great enemy of true discernment is a religious spirit. Which in essence is what this sermon goes up against is the religious spirit. So some things to consider. You know... Whenever somebody first accepts Jesus as their Savior, you ever notice the childlikeness? They're, they just read the Bible and they just believe it. <laughs> I remember hearing this story that a missionary left a Bible, won some people to the Lord. Many years later, somebody came back through. They had just simply read it, studied it, and believed it, and they were seeing all kinds of miracles. 
they didn't have a religious Pharisee go in there and correct everything and ruin them. But somebody that's, that's childlike, that they, they open the word, they, re, they read it, they just simply believe it. Where does that change? What creeps into people's lives that takes that away from them? You know, many times people say, well, losing your first love or maybe getting lukewarm or whatever. It's, it's the traditions of men. It's the, the teaching of the Pharisees that go in and ruin people's childlike faith. All of a sudden now, well, I don't know if I can believe for these miracles. I don't know if God's going to do that. And then all these questions, all this, it ruins many people's lives. You know, I see people get saved and sometimes I dread because I know where they start going to church and I know what they're going to be taught. And they're going to strip every bit of that childlike simplicity and just belief in what they're reading out of them. Slowly, other things take priority. Pretty soon, that person that once had a passion and a childlike faith in the Word of God, now they've just become a religious person. Just like so many other dead religious people that just go to church it's just a dead ritual it's a routine where did they lose that first love where did they lose that childlike faith listen I'll tell you we're listening to the wrong people the question is too were, were we doing more at first than we are now was there a time in that when you first accepted the Lord that you were so on fire and you had a powerful prayer life you just devoured the word of God you were just hungry to study the word you had such a heart for souls you were going out of your way to do some witnessing even on your own you couldn't wait to come to church couldn't wait to come to prayer meeting but something crept in and slowly began to wrap around like a python and began to squeeze that out of you to where now you're pretty comfortable missing church missing prayer you're pretty comfortable but just watching TV instead of praying something has died another question is how did man-made religion divide us all these different doctrines all these different opinions of men how did the gospel get perverted to where it has to do with man's convenience and what man wants instead of what the Lord wants and what's pleasing to him? How did the church become so powerless? You'd have to get in your car and drive a pretty good ways to find a place many times where you can expect that somebody's going to be healed. You can expect that you could bring somebody that needs deliverance and they're going to get delivered in the altar. You can expect that the gifts will be in operation. As you know that there's many churches out there today, and I love them. I'm not saying this to be critical, but it is the truth that they preach against these things. And they have Sunday school classes in the curriculum to teach people the gifts are not for today. And even if they believe that they exist, they'll so discredit them that the people don't believe that they could ever operate in it. They discredit. And they discredit the people 
that operate in the gifts. They teach it in such a way that is robbing people of their inheritance that's available to them in Christ. How did the church become so powerless? How has the world been so allowed into so many churches? There's a religious mindset that settles in to people. It begins to settle into their mind. It begins to settle into groups of people of not expecting like a child what the Bible promises. They'll meet together and they don't expect something to happen. I'm here tonight to tell you I expect to hear a testimony of healing tonight. I expect if somebody needs to be free of something, they'll receive it. And I expect gifts to be in operation. But sometimes it makes me sad because people are young in the Lord and they just read the word, they believe it, and they'll, they'll you know, step out in faith in different areas and they'll believe God for something. They'll believe God maybe for a healing or believe God for provision. Or something else. They're believing for something. And they have that, such a simplicity. And then they'll talk to the wrong person. He'll say, oh, now wait a second. You don't want to be foolish. And they'll steal that out of their life. And if they keep listening to that person, that person will ruin them. There's a religious spirit that causes people also to not have mercy and grace toward others. Other people that are really trying, you know, they accept Christ as their Savior and they're really struggling. I remember the early years of my Christian walk. I still struggle with things. And I know most people in the sound of my voice have too. And God, God is merciful and he wants to help us. But man, you get around a religious Pharisee and they'll, they'll beat that person down. There's no mercy. There's no grace. But also nowadays, there's a whole other extreme of that where you have hyper grace and a teaching that totally lets people live in unrepentant sin, etc., and justifies it. That's just as demonic as you could imagine. That, that right there is a doctrine of demons that will send many, many to hell. You know, I always, we got to think this way, but I, being a preacher, the Bible says, I bring my body under subjection, lest I also be a castaway. And Paul was referring to himself as an apostle. I live in a reverential fear of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. In particular, Matthew 7, 21. That many, Jesus said many. The Greek says many, not a few. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness or lived in sin. So let me shift back now about spiritual discernment. And how do we get discernment? When I'm talking about the word discernment, I like this word. Some translations will say understanding, uh, maybe perception, but I really like the word discernment. And the best way I feel to describe that word is spiritual perception. This is beyond your physical, natural eye. This is beyond your 
human mind. This is spiritually discerned. Everybody hear what I'm saying? You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it talks about the gift of the discerning of spirits. And yes, that would be on a high level. But every Christian, all of us, should have a level of discernment in our lives. And I'm going to teach you in a moment how to develop that and get that. But there should be a discernment. And I was so proud years ago, we had had a situation where we were working with some other churches. And there was a particular time where, um, and I love everybody, it's not a critical thing at all, but a particular person began to minister and I remember as they ministered, it was not good. I mean, I don't want to get into it, but there were things that were said um, that shouldn't, shouldn't have been said. There were some weird things going on. There was definitely a strange spirit. And I remember that the people of River of Life, by and large, began to feel very uncomfortable on their own. And they began to feel like they needed to get away from that. And I was really proud of that. I was thankful that there was some sense of discernment there. To know that something was off. But here's some things to think about. Number one, let me give you a few words. There's a Greek word, diakresis, I guess is how you say it. But it's Strong's 1253. And it means to judge carefully. And this is the same word that's used in 1 Corinthians 11 when it says to rightly discern the body of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? So as to judge carefully, to rightly discern the Lord's body. Then there's a Hebrew word, yada, which is 3045 in the Strong's. And it's interesting because the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis where it says Adam knew Eve and then she conceived and had a son. Adam knew Eve, the word for knew, is the same word in Proverbs which says that if you acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, he'll direct your paths, but acknowledge. It's the same Hebrew word. It implies like an intimacy with God, not sexual, but just being close to the Lord and really knowing him in a deep, intimate way. If you will know him intimately and acknowledge him deeply like that it says he will direct your paths and ecclesiastes 8 5 says a wise man truly discerns and then you also have nakar which is strong's 5234 and this word means to distinguish to examine carefully and to perceive I'm just trying to give you some words here to, to help you that the, the words in the Bible for discernment imply that you carefully examine and that God gives you some kind of a perception to where you can understand whether it is of him or not. But it is rooted in an intimate relationship with him. See, people want to develop that inner man. It's going to come through prayer. You know, the Bible says you build up your most holy faith praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. So there is an aspect of praying in the Spirit, but there's also an aspect of being in God's presence and, and spending time in prayer, deep calling unto deep, studying the Word. 
that builds up and strengthens that inner man to where you're more sensitive to these things. See, out of an intimacy, now you're able to perceive the way God wants you to perceive, if it's of him or if it isn't of him. And it saddens me because some people, they, they cheapen this so much. There's, there's weird things that have crept into the body sometimes that are counterfeit. There's Christians that have, have gotten mixed up in things that are of the occult world or, or something new agey or weird, and, and they're bringing in another spirit. You know the difference between, one of the, difference, one of the differences between a goat and sheep goats will eat anything they'll eat a piece of trash they'll eat a piece of paper I mean goats are so goofy you'll drive by and see a barnyard goat chewing on a beer can they'll eat anything and I mean anything sheep won't do that You know, it never ceases to amaze me because I love revival. In our ministry, we see revival. There's been, you know, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We, we believe in the gifts. We operate in the gifts. Um, I believe God gives people dreams and visions. I believe there are truly people that have seen even like angels and different things. I have no problem with any of that whatsoever because it's all biblical. But it never ceases to amaze me that there are people out there that are also revival people that they will swallow anything. They do not test the spirits. Spiritually speaking, they will eat anything like a goat. And I'm going to tell you, it's a rebellion. You know, when you think about the goat, that's the word that comes to mind is rebellious nature. You know, Jesus said to judge things in a, in a righteous way. He said to... Well, the book of 1 John says to test the spirits. Jesus Christ taught us himself that there would be wolves in sheep's clothing, that there would be false teachers or false prophets, and there would be things that were off. You know, and the Apostle Paul says not to be suddenly about laying hands on, it shouldn't be a free-for-all about laying hands. In other words, there should be some kind of discernment, some kind of a filter. And I love revival. And I love the move of the Spirit of God. I, I love it. But I refuse to go along with everything. If it's God, it's God. If it's not God, it's not God. And I'm not going along with it. And there's been some people get upset with me about that. But I don't understand why. I think that it's just a rebellion against the Lord and His Word. That they just refuse to do that. And if... If you come along and say, well, we need to test it, make sure it's of God or whatever, they'll look at you like you're a Pharisee, like you're some kind of critic, some kind of revival critic, and they'll judge you like that. And, and the whole time, you're just wanting to obey the word and make sure everything's God. That's it. But Matthew seven fifteen, you know, we read about protecting the sheep. You know, Jesus is described as the great shepherd. And obviously he has the fivefold ministry and there's the pastor who is a shepherd over a different, you know, different churches. And, but he's our great shepherd. But what, what is one of the responsibilities of a shepherd? To protect the sheep. So that means you have a rod and that you're going to use the rod. That means if there is a wolf that comes in, you're going to deal with that wolf. 
Now, there seems to be a mantle of authority that, that will carry a certain level of discernment and wisdom from God. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean. It seems like parents, especially Christian parents, but parents, that God seems to endow them with some kind of a discernment for their child. How many times has children, especially children of Christian parents, said, how did they know that? But there's, there's some kind of a, of a mantle that God allows on parents because of their authority to what? To protect the children. But God, God wants those parents to know, to have some kind of a perception there, to know what's really going on so that they can protect them from evil. There's also some kind of a mantle that will come on people like a pastor for example some kind of a perception some kind of a grace where they will see things that other people don't see but it's meant to protect the sheep but God is 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 wanting people especially leaders I believe he wants all Christians but especially people in authority positions to have some discernment So there are seven steps connected to having discernment that I believe will help you. Um, I know I already mentioned that we have to have a developed inner man. That's only going to come through prayer. I'm just telling you, there's no other shortcut. There's, you know, it's going to come from that developed, intimate relationship with the Lord. And when people, some people have had that and they've been sharp in their discernment, but then that waned and you can sense and see that they're now dull. They've lost that edge. But here's seven steps I'll give you. Number one, when you're having a look at a situation, number one, it will not contradict Scripture. Now, that doesn't mean some people, these people that are very legalistic and they want to split hairs and they get very silly. It's kind of embarrassing. I'll give you an example. You know, in the scriptures, let's say that somebody was out giving out tonight pamphlets witnessing to people, gospel pamphlets, and somebody says, well, where is that in the word? Well, it's not. But, you know, they also didn't have the Gutenberg Press back then. So the thing is, they very well could have wrote on something, wrote on a parchment and gave it out. But the point is that people want to split hairs about every little silly thing. Okay, I said it will not contradict Scripture. As I remember, as I was looking at this years ago, I, I did a, a teaching where it was dealing kind of along these lines about different things that are going on in the world. And In Roman Catholicism, there's these various Marian apparitions where supposedly Mary is coming down and talking to people. And um, they're, they're seeing it. There's something going on with that. But... Um, it was interesting because the things that this being is saying contradict scripture. So it doesn't take a lot of discernment of any kind whatsoever to know that that's just not God. So number one, it will not contradict scripture. Number two, is the fruit of the spirit evident? Number three, is Christ's fruit and ministry evident meaning 
that people are getting right with God, people are being healed, people are being delivered. And it was funny because last week I talked about the Cambridge Revival and Barton Stone went out there in 1800 to McGreedy's meetings and what? All these different Holy Spirit manifestations were happening. And some of them were pretty bizarre looking. But Barton Stone, after studying it and, and looking at everything, he said it has to be God though. Because all these people are really truly repenting of their sin they're really truly accepting Christ as their Savior and they're, then they're leading other people to do that. He said the devil wouldn't do that. So Christ's fruit in ministry. Do you see the things that Jesus did when he was on the earth? Do you see that going on? Also, does it bear witness with your spirit? So if you have a developed inner man and you've grown up in the Lord and you've matured where now you're you can hear from God and you're on the meat of the word and you have developed inner senses what do you feel in your spirit the next one is what does the Holy Spirit say now I love that one because in the book of Acts in chapter 15 you know the apostles had to deal with some things and they said um, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit to not burden you with anything else but they had consulted the Holy Spirit I remember Dr. Cho years ago was saying that there was a woman who was you gotta understand though Dr. Cho in South Korea there were so many people at this church okay and in one of the services there was a particular lady that was just prophesying over people and um, it was kind of a line and so he just went over and stood by her and he's kind of getting a feel for things and he said that her prophecies seemed kind of negative and he just didn't feel comfortable in his spirit with things. And so he went home, he said, Holy Spirit, what do you say about it? And the Holy Spirit said, it's not me, it's a familiar spirit. And so he goes back and he was real nice about it. He just told her, he said, you're not prophesying here anymore. And let me tell you what the Lord told me. He said, you know, you need to deal with this. And they, of course, he was willing to help her. But she, of course, got offended she's right he's wrong oh, obviously right you know how it is and so she leaves offended and goes somewhere else to prophesy but he dealt with it and got it out of his church also wise counsel this is very powerful how many knows not every counsel is wise counsel <laughs> seek out wise counsel but there are people out there that have wisdom in the Lord and you'll ask them about things what do you think about this what do you feel about this and you talk to different people and kind of get a consensus on what the overall feel is another thing is true prophets not everybody out there it says they're prophets prophet but I still believe there are prophets and there are prophetic people but seek out those that are true prophets of God and if you have people in your church, in which we do here, that get revelation from God, they get visions, they have dreams, they get things from God, really take those things to heart and pray about them because God will speak through the prophets like that to you and give you revelation straight from him. But those are seven steps connected to having discernment, okay? That will really help. But somebody would say, well, how do I on a personal level how do I develop this discernment 
Well, I would say, number one, that you're going to have to develop a relationship with the Lord. And that means that you're going to have to have discipline in your life to do that. But number two, I would say to pray for discernment. Ask the Lord. You know, Lord, give me discernment. Increase my discernment. If you pray about those things, he'll, he'll do that. So number one is develop the relationship. Number two is to pray about that issue. If someone says, well, I'm not as hungry as I need to be, what do I do? Ask God to increase your hunger. Ask him to set you back on fire again. The thing we need to do a lot of times when we get in a place we don't need to be is just say, Lord, forgive me for getting myself in this mess. Now help me out of it. Send me help from on high. <laughs> and he'll do it. The next thing I would say is know the word for yourself. This concerns me. The Bible's clear. The Bereans, um, they, Paul commended them. He said they were so noble because they were open to what I was saying, Paul said. They were open, but they studied the scripture to make sure is it God or not. They studied it out for themselves. And that's why I tell people, you need to know the word for yourself. There's people out there, and they may be very learned people. They're very educated people. In the religious world, they've got the plaques and the degrees. But they really don't have a clue about some things. They do not understand spiritual revelation. They don't flow in the gifts. They don't have the power of God. They don't have much of a prayer life. A lot of people's prayer life consists of just opening the Bible and reading it, which is wonderful. We need to study the Word. I study the Word every week. But prayer is not reading. Prayer is relationship. So it's where you're talking and you're listening. And the next thing I would say is know the Holy Spirit for yourself. This is a big one. We're going to have to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the last thing Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians maybe 13, 14, I may have that back with this. The last thing he said to them was that you would know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And the word fellowship is koinonia in the Greek. It implies intimate relationship. So the Lord is wanting us to have fellowship with his Spirit, to know his Holy Spirit. See, as I spend time every day with the Holy Spirit in his presence, I know his presence, I know his leading, I know when he convicts me, I know when he encourages me, and I develop that over a period of time. When you get around another spirit, you're very uncomfortable. You know, you're like, this is not the Holy Spirit that I spend time with every day. That's something else. And let me tell you too, a lot of people that have, down through the years, I've heard people talk about discernment. And there's a group of people out there that are kind of self-proclaimed watchdogs about revival. And God help them. I hope that they're not blaspheming the Spirit. I really do. But they, they definitely are enemies of the Holy Spirit. Um, but anyway... They, I've heard some of them mock this type of discernment. And to them, in their mind, 
It's all about just knowing the word alone. That's it. Okay. I think that we need to know the word, but that's not always going to be enough. You have to have that relationship. And let me give you an example in the Bible. So in the Old Testament, the Bible says if there was a false prophet and they gave false information, you just drag them out of town and stone them. Problem solved. All right, well, here's the thing, though. So the Apostle Paul was in this particular city ministering. It escapes me which city he was in at this time. But anyway, he was ministering. And as he was walking, there was a slave girl following him. Now, this slave girl, it says in the Greek, Greek had a spirit of divination or a python spirit. And she was used in fortune telling. Paul didn't know that. Or, I mean, he's new to the city. Anyway, he's walking along. This slave girl is following him and in a loud voice where everybody can hear it is saying this. These men are servants of the Most High God telling you the way into salvation. Would anybody argue with that? So she was giving accurate information. This is what I'm trying to get at, is there's times that just knowing the word alone, how would you know? So this is what the Bible says. This went on for many days, and Paul was vexed in his spirit. He discerned it. This isn't God. And he turned, and he pointed his finger at her, and he said, come out of her in Jesus' name. She falls, the demon leaves her. Now her slave owner's ticked because he used to make, she used to make him a lot of money with fortune telling, which she can't do because the demon's gone. It started a riot. But nonetheless, back to the story, Paul, it had to go deeper than just having scriptural knowledge alone. Paul had to discern that by his spirit. So develop that living relationship with the Lord. Pray for discernment. Know the word, but you're also going to have to know the Holy Spirit. You have to have both the word and the spirit. If you just have the word of God in your life, you'll dry up. If you just have the Holy Spirit and you don't have the balance of that word, you can get flaky. But when you have both in your life, you're going to mature. And so the... Ezekiel 44, 23 through 24, the priests were supposed to teach God's people the difference between the holy and the profane. I, I really grieve at some, some out there that refuse to deal with things, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to give preachers, all of us, we're going to give an account one day. You better preach the truth, and you better have said what God was saying. Because there's going to come a time we're going to stand before him. And those that, that are teachers will be judged more severely. And it is our responsibility as preachers and teachers of the word of God to teach people between the holy and the profane. It doesn't mean everybody's going to listen, but we still do our job to tell people the truth. Revelation 2, 4, but I have this against you. You've left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you've fallen, repent, do the deeds you did at first, or else I'm coming to remove your lampstand. So the Lord is saying, you know, when we get to that place where we feel like that we're not the way we used to be, we're not as hungry and on fire, we're not in prayer, we're not in the Word and all these things, what happens? We need to say, Lord, forgive me. I repent. Draw me back. Set me on fire again. Lord, forgive me. 
and let him do a work in us when we get like that. Here's the last two things I want to talk about tonight. And this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. So everybody say, I still love Pastor Scott. I still love Pastor Scott. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. But this is where the rubber meets the road is discipline. Are people going to bring their flesh under? Are we going to die to the flesh and be willing to spend the quality time with the Lord we need to? To get up early? To turn off the TV? To make the disciplined decisions in life? To seek the Lord? And to have that develop relationship with Him? Because that is how it's going to come. And let me give you something to think about that really spoke to me this last week. You know, since we came back from Cambridge, my wife and I, this is something that God really showed me. Do you remember the story of Isaac that Isaac was blind, so to speak? I mean, he was pretty much blind. I don't think he was completely, but he had a really difficult time making out the difference between Jacob and Esau. Remember that? He was blind. But it was interesting, though, that whenever it was time for Isaac to pass on the blessing that God wanted him to pass, Isaac would have chosen Esau, which would have been a catastrophic mistake. Esau was intermarrying with the Canaanites and building the stone houses and basically was conforming to the Canaanites. But Esau, I'm sorry, Isaac would have picked Esau. There was something about him that was blinded. And it was interesting too, because when it came time for Isaac to give his blessing, he said to Esau, go fix me a big feast. Isn't it interesting that food was such an important thing for him to indulge in? During a time when he should be making some kind of a discerning decision, this is a big deal. This is going to be passing what he got from Abraham to the next generation. How many knows this is an important decision? This was a time to be fasting, not feasting. This was a time to be getting revelation, not be blinded. Now, now let's look on the flip side. John the Baptist, who was used to help usher in Christ's ministry. John the Baptist was somebody that was given to what? Prayer and a lifestyle of continual fasting. The man just lived on locusts and wild honey. He lived a disciplined life of not always indulging himself. He had that discipline in his life of, of living a fasted life and a life of prayer. And John the Baptist was the one that had gained influence, but he had the spiritual discernment that whenever he was baptizing at the River Jordan and Jesus showed up, John turns and points at him and says, Behold, everybody there's the Lamb of God. He had spiritual perception to know who to pass it on to. When it was time he immersed Jesus, he said, I must decrease, he must increase. Everything is now passed to him. He had that perception that Isaac didn't have. There's something about that life that is disciplined to get up and make the effort to die to your flesh and spend time with the Lord to have a fasted lifestyle 
that really changed my life is having a disciplined life of fasting because it will bring your body under subjection like few things but you know jesus was given to prayer and fasting remember his ministry even when he went to samaria you know jesus went to samaria and his disciples said you need to eat something because they know that he hadn't been eating he said i have food to eat you don't know of don't in other words don't worry about me and they go to get food and the woman at the well comes anyway jesus was used here to help prepare things in samaria because he knew that later philip would come to samaria and see great revival but see that had to take place on the other side of the cross for philip to come in and bring them into salvation jesus was laying some groundwork there but he was doing that he was getting outside of jerusalem and judea and getting out to samaria where there was some satanic strongholds but he was in fasting when he was doing this so people that really want to have sharp discernment if we will live that fasted life set aside periods of fasting you know if you're going to fast continually on a regular basis some kind of a partial fasting well, you may fast something one week, something else the next. Just make sure that you take care of yourself. But if, you, if you're going to live a, a partial fast throughout your life and really seek to go deeper in the Lord and live a life of prayer, man, I'll tell you what, it, it will sharpen that discernment. You'll know. And let me close with this last thing is that with the same measure we judge others, it will come back to us. So be careful how you judge, how you discern things because if you do it the wrong way and you're judging people and you're critical and you're looking down on them and you're being critical of people that are up there trying just trying to preach and and do what god's called them to do or you you're critical and judging of churches and critical and judging of others don't be surprised if that same measure it will find its way to you that people will judge and criticize you like that one day just keep in mind river of life that it is only by god's incredible grace and mercy that his presence is here with us none of us deserve his presence it is only his grace and his mercy that we are forgiven we weren't smart enough to figure it out how many people are we related to why in the world are we the ones that end up finding jesus it was only his grace and mercy it was not us it is only his grace and mercy that we're in revival like we are here inside this church it is not our good works if we got prideful and cocky he would leave tomorrow it's only by his grace and his mercy that his presence is here it is only by his great grace and mercy that we're healthy and we're prospering in our lives now be careful judging other people by the trials that they go through is everybody every preacher and everybody out there goes through times of battling some kind of health issue or some kind of financial issue or some other thing going on in their life and they have to believe god to get through the other side of it and they'll have a testimony but do not judge people when they're going through stuff because we do not see what god sees and it may be that they're they're such a threat to the devil that the devils attacked them 
And many times here people are judging them, looking down on them, and the whole time what they're going through is because they're a threat. It is only because of God's incredible compassion that we spiritually are where we are today. Thank God that we've grown spiritually. I hope I grow a lot more over this next year. And, you know, 2019, I look back and I've grown spiritually. But any of that is only by God's grace and mercy. So remain humble, remain childlike. And examine things from a humble perspective. When you go into a place where the Holy Spirit's really moving, you guys have been here enough to where you're familiar with the Holy Spirit, you're familiar with His presence. But if something is off or whatever, don't be prideful and don't be critical, but just test all things, the Bible says, and hold fast to that which is good. Test all things. Don't be like a goat that's going to just eat anything. That's the way some people are out there. They'll swallow anything. But be like the sheep that are not going to do that. They're just going to eat the grass and the rivers that the Lord Jesus takes them to. Here's my food. Here's my drink. Have this. I said, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We bless you. And Lord, I pray that this will really get in us tonight. Help us, Lord, if we, if we in any way have lost that first love, that passion. We used to have a prayer life we don't now. We used to be in the word more than we are. We used to be in your presence. We used to love coming to your house. We used to maybe be a witness. Something happened. Where, forgive us, Lord. Whatever it is, the problem is never with you. Forgive us, Lord. Draw us back unto you. Let us burn again. Set us on fire again, Lord. Let us hunger for you. And Lord, I pray, give us true discernment to know what's of God and what's not of God. Discerned by the Spirit and the Word to know what's truly of the Lord. And I pray that this Word will get in your people. And I really feel tonight the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a special time. My wife and I are going to anoint everyone and we're going to pray. But I feel very strongly that God is wanting to anoint you in connection to this Word. Now, the Bible gives a description of the Spirit of God, the sevenfold manifestation of the Holy Spirit, two of which is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. I believe that God's wanting to impart to you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation tonight, that you're going to begin to understand things maybe you didn't before and, and feel things you didn't feel before and know things maybe you didn't know before. But it's going to be by the Holy Spirit doing it. That's what the Bible is talking about First John where it says you really don't need any man to teach you but the spirit in you, the anointing in you will teach you. I believe this anointing will come tonight and we're going to pray for you and God's going to touch you in this area. And when we pray like a child just receive tonight. Let the Lord pour into you. We can go ahead and shut down recordings and we're going to, but I want y'all to look this way as, as we're doing that. You know, when I went to Toronto Revival in 2014 went there to that conference the 20 year anniversary whenever I got there I was ready to go down and get prayer and just receive I had never been able to actually physically go to Toronto even though people that had been touched from the revival came and ministered to me during the 90s but I never was able to go anytime I, anytime I saved up money I went to Brownsville you know it was a lot closer but um, 
I wanted, man, I was hungry when I went. I wanted to get as much as I could. When I got there, the Lord told me, he said, I want you just to go up in the balcony. And there was these different rooms. I want you to lay down and soak. And I was kind of surprised. But I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to argue. I went up there. The minute I laid down, I said, Lord, I just believe I receive what you have for me. The Holy Spirit just began to saturate me. And it was so strong that I could barely get off the floor. There's something about just receiving like a child, not complicating it in our minds, just receive. And when we went to Cane Ridge, obviously this revival happened in 1801. So obviously there's nobody there to pray for you anymore, right? So, I mean, it's just an empty, right? It's just an empty cottage. And um, we went there. And I just went upstairs and just laid back in this old place that that it's still there. That's the same place from 1791 they built. I mean, they knew how to build stuff back then. There's some, there's some contractors out there that need to go find their descendants and ask some questions. But anyway, I just went in there and, and laid down and said, Lord, I believe I receive what you have me. Just fill me. I mean to tell you, the longer I laid there, the thicker it got. Get beyond trying to figure it out. There's nothing to figure out. It's just receive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's nothing to figure out. It's just like, Lord, fill me. And I think a lot of times that's where people miss it. All right. We're going to pray for people tonight. If you, that iPod's ready, if you just want to play that and um, just kind of get everything, all the recordings, all that situated. But we do need to move the chairs.